The Koi Gig Pod. For me, it's difficult because if Chelsea aren't playing well or they need something to get someone to get them out of it, I don't think they have it. So I think they're in a difficult place. Subscribe to the feed in the OTB Sports app now. OTB GAA. The Football Pod on Off the Ball in partnership with AIB. Proud sponsors of the Football Hurling and Camogie All Ireland Club Championships. Hashtag the toughest. Hello there, and you're very welcome along to episode nine of the Football Pod with Paddy Andrews and James O'Donoghue. There is a very, very busy weekend of football ahead. It's going to be round six of the National Football Leagues, and every single match matters this weekend. James and Paddy, we're going to get into that in a couple of minutes' time. But Sunday night, some terribly sad news came out that the awfully senior football coach, a Kerry native, Liam Kearns, had passed away at just the age of 60 after a short illness. Liam is somebody who would have had a huge influence on football over the last 30 years, whether it be at colleges, club level, his own playing days with Austin Stacks and even County. He would have coached Limerick, that great Limerick team in the early 2000s to, to a Munster final and to Division 1. They had that epic draw and replay against Kerry in 2004. He would have taken over the leash side after Mick O'Dwyer for a couple of years. Took a wee break then. Uh, said that, that Intercounty management was getting too big and uh, too big a thing and he wanted to wait until he was retired before he get back. Retired from the guards before he get back in Intercounty management again. Went uh, coaching at club level with Aherlow and Tip. John Evans tapped him up when he took over in his common, his good friend, and he went up to the Rossies for a little while. And then he took over to Tipperary Footballers and he led them on that epic journey to the All-Ireland semi-final. Um, took over Clondagale and Roscommon I didn't mention that he was involved with Napiersi and a host of other clubs as well and uh, just this year he had taken over the Offaly Footballers and they've been flying so far took training Sunday morning James and according to some of the Offaly lads was in great form that morning and just just shows you what can happen in life um, a terrible terrible story yeah I um, I would have known him well um, he obviously did a bit of coaching down here in Kerry he coached Ratmore um, to some nice success and he had a great reputation down here um, and when I was in college in Limerick in UL he was our manager and he was unreal like we didn't have any we didn't have any real history or anything in UL at the time in terms of the football it was all hurlers but Liam certainly brought attention to us and he was just a fantastic players manager do you know that kind of that kind of manager that just looks after the players no matter what. And he just had a just had just such a warm personality to him. And he he made me captain of that team, which I was obviously very proud of. And he was the type of manager as well that made you feel about five times better than you actually were. Do you know that kind of way? And you'd almost be trying to to play up to his opinion of you constantly because he'd he'd be throwing kind of pos- positivity at you all the time. And you'd be trying to live up to to him. Because he was just such a such a nice fella and such a, a warm person, and oh, it's just going to be going to be such a, a sad loss for for football in general. And yeah, I mean, I, I got an awful kick to the stomach when I when I heard it, and you know, there's so many so many people affected by it, and just want to wish his family all the, all the best. And yeah, R.I.P. Yeah, thoughts go out to his 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 wife and his two daughters and, and grandkids and. His friends and all the teams he would have coached, Paddy, um, just awful stuff. Well, horrendous. It was the same as I think everyone yesterday. It was just shock. Couldn't believe. So sudden, obviously, the the loss, obviously, for his family and like, see, the, t- touching on his career there, the legacy he's had in the GAA. The GAA is a tight knit community when anyone kind of suffers a tragedy, but for someone as high profile as Liam was, and the career he's built up, like say, as a player, as a coach, all over the country, he's kind of had success. He's had a positive impact everywhere he's been. So, um, uh, just just unbelievably sad. Um, and I think you'll see that kind of outpouring of emotion and grief over the next couple of days uh, as the GA community kind of rallies around uh, his wife and obviously his immediate family and his awfully players. And like as James has said, I'm sure there's hundreds of players around the country who've been impacted positively by, by Liam Kearns over the years. So just uh, just a, a awful, awful news. Uh, your heart goes out to everyone affected by it. Um, a massive loss. I'm such a young guy for, for that to happen. 60, like, Jesus. Yeah. yeah. Um, hope the family are holding up okay and, and his current players went awfully, obviously, and, and, and anyone affected by it. He played 
under Mikko. My father would have been on the panel and Liam was on the panel as well. So it was kind of, um, I said they had a bit of a relationship and I, I was just thinking if I, if I was ever to get into coaching and you know, you kind of think who could I, who could I spend a bit of time with that I'd like to kind of take their style or take a bit of them in mm-hmm. my, in myself, like Liam would have been a hundred percent up there that you'd go and maybe sit in a few sessions, see how we operated and, and you'd be all the better for it. So such a huge loss. Really? You, that's you, somebody you would have le- wanted to learn from. It's oh, interesting. Definitely. The way he treated people, like he treated people with, with respect and it wasn't a case of his managerial side wasn't tactical or it wasn't, it wasn't new age stuff. It was just man management. Like the way he would turn a, a kind of a good player into a very good player or make your, one of your better players feel invincible. So those kind of skills and they're not necessarily managerial traits like they're just how he was as a person which probably Perfect. says it all really. Yeah. Yeah. There's um, there'll be a lot of great pieces I'm sure published about Liam Kearns in the next couple of days as people mourn and, and chat about him. But there was a wonderful interview um, in the Kerryman newspaper back in 2020 that summer. Uh, it was with Damien Stack and the Indo actually republished it today. And it just goes through that Limerick team he took over and the journey and, and what he kind of learned from his own playing days. So he was a Stacks club man and he always felt like they completely underachieved in the 80s because mm. the county boys were focusing on winning all Ireland's. And I think he took a lot from watching his own managers at that time and maybe what they some did of the things that went on because I think the, <laughs> the plan at the time was just give the ball to Mikey Sheehy and every club in the country or every club in the county knew that they were going to do it. So they won one county championship um, and he would have been on carry under 21 teams and he reckons it was a time where Kerry had the eye off the ball and a lot of talent slipped through the net because they were obviously focusing on Mikko's side, which were, you know, delivering all Ireland at the time. And it was the same management that were over both. Um, so, yeah, it's interesting. He brought that into Limerick, took over their under-21s. They were at a very bad place. And where he brought it to was just unbelievable. And then he goes 15, 20 years later and repeats the trick with the tip footballers. And, okay. uh, yeah, so it's look at, well worth having a look back on that. And it's, it, is, it is a tragedy. Uh, gone far too soon so um, we're going to come back after this with the football pod we're going to have a look at a couple of the games at the weekend but we just wanted to start the pod this week with a, a few words on Liam Cairns The Football Pod on Off The Ball in partnership with AIB proud sponsors of the Football Hurling and Camogie All-Ireland Club Championships Hashtag The Toughest Hello there, and you're very welcome back to episode nine of the Football Pod with Paddy Andrews and James O'Donoghue. It is a very big weekend of football ahead. The round six of the leagues, and as I mentioned before, every single game matters. The uh, Twitter account, at GA League Tables, very helpfully put together all the permutations for the weekend, and it turns out that every single game matters. Let's start with Division 1. Um, Kerry Roscommon. Uh, Roscommon are in second place. Kerry are in fifth. I'm not going to say this game doesn't matter, but, you know, compared to the rest of the games in the division this week, I think it matters a little less than the others. Armagh Galway, um, similar enough both. Both teams are probably in a shootout for the league final, in a sense. There. They're playing each other on um, Sunday. And then Donegal take on Mayo and Monaghan take on Tyrone. Manon Tyrone is possibly the game that matters the most. So that is a game that we will come back to in a couple of minutes' time. But to start with Donegal, lads, and Mayo, Paddy, you raised the point late on in the pod last week. Are we not going to talk about Mayo, lads? They're flying. <laughs> and we're, we're kind of letting them go a little bit under the radar, are we? No, it's a, it's a new approach from the football pod to try to have podcasts for less than two hours. So yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we wouldn't get too deep into Mayo last week and kind of touch on them this week. Um, because it is, it's a significant game. I love the way you said every game is important and then you just rode off the first two games. <laughs> Except <laughs> every for game the first important. five. <laughs> Gary Roscommon isn't important and neither is Armand and uh, Galway. But um, no, I, I, you're right. I, th- I think the two most intriguing games are are this Mayo-Donegal game because there's so much riding on it for Donegal in particular mm-hmm. that their Division 1 status is pretty much on the line. It's, it's do or die for them um, in this game. If they lose this game, they're, they're more or less gone. We've kind of tipped them from day one. We knew they would probably struggle in this division. There's been a lot of upheaval there. We've touched on that in previous pods. And they, despite a very heartening opening win against Kerry in the first weekend, they haven't really been able to get anywhere near that standard again. And you're right, the, the Monaghan-Tyrone game it's intriguing because it's so tight to call. 
that Monaghan have got a little bit of a bounce. They've done a little bit better than I thought they would. I would have taped Donegal and Monaghan to go down here. Um, but Vinnie Corrie's got a bit of a reaction out of them. And Tyrone, we touched on it in depth last week. Yeah. They've got a bounce back. They've got that kick. The challenge for them is can they keep it up and, uh, and back it up against Monaghan and Clonus. So they are the two most intriguing games, I feel. Um, for, for Mayo, what have I been impressed about? Just the style of play. But we've seen, we, we, we spoke about Dublin and Derry last week. It's quite a cagey affair. Mayo are nearly playing that uh, free-spirited football. It's a lot of kick passing. To be fair, McStay has been true to his word. He's, I think, Aidan O'Shea's revelation playing inside has been a success. And what Mayo are getting now, and we said this for a lot of teams as they come towards the end of the National League, as we start getting closer to that championship time, they've started rolling out their big guns as well. So, so I was impressed with Killian O'Connor. The big story for him was getting Tommy Conroy back on the pitch and being confident in himself and in his body that he's had a very, very bad injury and he got signs of it in the last couple of weeks, but particularly against Ross Compton and Hyde Park uh, last weekend, that he's edging back towards really perfect timing from, from Mayo's point of view. He's edging towards his form that that was such a, a standout attribute for Mayo when they got to the All-Ireland Final in 2021. So, Mayo have been, there's an energy about them and they're starting to build that depth, um, which they have just haven't been able to get due to unfortunate injuries. The Ryan O'Donoghue, Killian O'Connor, Tommy Conroy. These guys are all back now. For Kevin McStay, you want to try and keep that momentum going, avoid any injuries because we know, you know, if they win at the weekend, they're, they're not far off making a league final. Could they win a National League title? And also, they've got the first really big game of the championship when they play Ross Common uh, on, East, on Easter weekend. So I've been impressed with them, their style of play, the depth of players that they're starting to get back in and just the really feel-good factor that McStay has brought to that team after what was a pretty pretty dour 2022 for them. So, so this weekend, if they beat Donegal, I think they're, they're in prime position to make that league final and possibly yeah. win a national title again. You'd have to say that like the job that McStay has done is so impressive because Mayo were at a low ebb there at the end of last year, all through the winter. And you'd be thinking, can they actually raise it? Now, can someone go into that dressing room and actually pick them up off the floor after losing a couple to retirement and to Australia? Can someone go in and drag them up? And he's done it. And you'd have to say they're in the top. I would say, I don't know about your power rankings, Tommy, but I would put them in the top three. <laughs> I'd put them in the top three in the country. I'd say they're in with a serious shout. I just fourth. think it is. It's a credit to them because they have a complete. You've enforced. They have a complete new full forward line because they're going to have probably Conroy, Ryan O'Donoghue, who they didn't have at the end of last year, and Aidan Shea in there with James Carr playing the mercurial James <laughs> Carr playing a lot better as well. Like so, you'd have to say that job that they've done is highly impressive, and I, I think that they're that they're definitely going to rattle it this year. I don't know whether you'd put them. Favourites at the moment, probably not. Whether they want to go for the National League title or not is hard to know as well. But kind of no choice. from the evidence we've seen, they're top three. Oh, I, yeah. I, I agree with you. I think they're right in the mix. I do. I agree with that. And he, uh, if you look, James Horne had done an unbelievable job from over the years and it just it kind of petered out at the end of last season. There was a lot of negativity around. We spoke mm-hmm. about it. We had James on the podcast, the league final, and just the, they were well beaten in the championship. Then they lose. They're two, two of their absolute standout defenders in Oshie Mullen, but also just an absolute icon of Mayo GA and Lee Keegan. And you're thinking these guys are right up against it. But to be fair, what we've seen to date over the first kind of three, three months of the season, okay, slow enough start. They scrape a draw against Galway in the open night in the league, but they have been building really, really well. And, and the key thing for Mayo, like they've, just, they've been very unfortunate with injuries. That they, they don't have massive depth of scoring forwards as it is, but in the last couple of years they've had Killian O'Connor battling injuries. Then they lose Tommy Conroy, they lose Ryan O'Donoghue, like all at the same time. It's been very rare that they've been able to get their best fifteen on the pitch, and that's what McStay has been able to build towards throughout the National League. But you have to say, if you look around the country, there isn't really standout teams dominating. So far this season, there's not a standout favour for the All Ireland. Kerry, it's going to be challenging for them to go back to back. They've been, they haven't really got anywhere near the heights of that yet. Dublin, even with players coming back, we spoke about them. 
they have their own challenges. In Ulster, it's quite, you know, Ulster's always tight to call, but what Mayo have done, and in danger, I suppose, at that goal where we're going to become the dominant team in, in Connacht, Mayo are answering that so far uh, year to date, and it's shaping up. The Connacht Championship is shaping up very, very nicely. But the key, I feel, for McStay and for Mayo is, is injuries. They're building depth, but if they lose it, to, same as any team, if they lose a couple of their key guys, it can really, really hurt them. But if, if you get Mayo's best 15 players on the pitch come summer, they will be a handful for every single team in this championship and nobody will want to come across them. Yeah, and it's obvious that, as you mentioned it there, each of the kind of contenders this year, if they lose their key boys, it yeah. kind of takes so much away from them. That depth, no team really has that depth that we may no, have seen in the latter don't. half of the last decade. Um, but you know what, what, what McStay what? has done as well? He's getting a tune out of Dermot O'Connor in midfield. And like, he is, he's the heartbeat of the team really. But when you're trying to, to do that from a hardworking wing forward kind of role, you might be in the game, but you mightn't. <clears throat> yeah, you know? yeah. Whereas he's in the middle of the field, directing operations, getting back, doing some crazy interventions, blocking, <laughs> defending, getting up the field and kicking points. So like he's, he's, he's almost a, an extra 50% of a player this year on last year as well. If you yeah, add up all one. the extras that they have, like it's crazy. Bouncing back, it's, like he was struggling with injury too over the last couple of years. Some engine room though, if you look at that, that midfield, in terms of the athleticism of Dermot O'Connor and Maddie Rowan. And Maddie Rowan, and kind of a bit of inconsistency was creeping into his game last season. More well. in him, probably, yeah. But, but if you get, like, <laughs> if you're marking those two boys and they're flying fit, you are <laughs> you are going to be rolling into the ground come the summer as well. So, like I say, if the key, and this is not just for you, for all the top teams, because of that probably lack of, of X factor depth across all counties, but for Mayo, if they get their one to 15, their best 15 players on the pitch come summer, I agree, with, I agree with you. I'd probably have them higher than four in your power rankings, Tommy, but less okay. said about that, the better. All right, we'll it. see. But, but I, I fancied them this weekend <laughs> against Donegal. Donegal are in a very, very different position and now we're going to chat about them now. Yeah, yeah, we're going to move into Donegal as well. And when you mentioned the engine room, uh, Jack Kearney, a kind of middle third player, Jordan yeah. Finn impresses early in the league. Bob Tuohy is one of the new boys that McStay has put in there. They all have that sort of engine. Um, So that's a bit of depth there as well for Mayo. So, Interesting. We'll keep an eye on that game this weekend. Let's go to Donegal. And if I could recommend a piece for you to read this week, Carol Kane's piece in the Irish News, well worth it. This piece now has been a, quite a while in the works. I had a, heard it was coming. Um, I've been trying to get my head around the Donegal story over the last couple of weeks as well. It is a complex, convoluted <laughs> issue, lads. Like any issue involving a county board and a fallout, it's a dangerous story. <laughs> uh, this was executed exceptionally well by Carr. he's spoken to a lot of people involved and painted the picture as well as can be at this stage the title is A County in Turmoil The Inside Story on Carr Lacey's Departure from the Donegal Academy having spent 18 months building and develop, fe- developing a new football academy in Donegal the county's most decorated player in history Carr Lacey stepped down in January and Carr O'Kane delves into the fallout so to give you it in, in short there had been issues and a bit of frostiness developing between the academy and the county board. They had been set up as <clears throat> possibly two separate entities. Um, it, it's a funny one. Like some counties put an awful lot of money into this sort of thing. Others don't. Uh, Wexford, I think, have actually made a huge uh, commitment recently. I think they, I'll get the figure here. I think it's 400 grand they've committed. Mm. Um Wexford have committed €385,000 over five years to an identical scheme that Donegal had. So I don't think Donegal are anywhere close to that. Um, they had theirs running completely free of charge with S&C coaches travelling to schools for 6am sessions without getting a cent. Um, I think that so who, who was getting up at 6 o'clock in the morning to do a gym session there who was in school? I couldn't the, get out of school for, or about it for 9 o'clock in school. Oh, you mean the, the kids? Six, <laughs> the new age, Jimmy. That's they had the it going, boy. Yeah, they had it going. Um, but essentially, in January, they released a statement. Uh, As a group, we have lost all confidence in the governance of Donegal GA. <laughs> and everyone involved with the under 14, 15, and 16 squads left the academy alongside Lacey, who had stepped down. Um, so, one of the most interesting points in this, without getting into the 
who said what, who did what, Politics. was the fact that in October, late November, Rory Kavanagh had a coaching ticket that went in front of the Donegal County Board that had Carl Lacey on it and Jim McGuinness on it. And for whatever reason... That's not bad. That didn't get over the line. And it would have had Michael Murphy on the panel. Mm, that's not in the piece. I would imagine perhaps that would have been happening, yeah. Surely. That's possibly hard. That's hearsay. That's hearsay. <laughs> that's, uh, that's hearsay. And, and Murphy's been on the record and, you know, he said his mind is made up in June. But Kavanagh, Lacey, McGuinness, that's a slight nice. north moment for Donegal. Like whatever happened there, whatever went on. It. It, it looks it on paper, but we what have we said about Donegal on paper? <laughs> but no, then it says in the piece that McGuinness was on um, a UEFA Pro Licence mm. course. So, like, was it a case of, no, I know that the, the, the so piece McGuinness is kind been of... McGuinness would have been in the background. He, he would have been in the background, but... Rory Kavanagh was going to be the man, wasn't he? Yeah, Kavanagh was yeah. going to be the man. And, and obviously, Kavanagh had been over St. Unions and they were in the road to the county final. That went to a replay. It was uh, finished off in very dramatic fashion. There was a couple of controversies there as well. And I think their coaching ticket and their push for the job was kept under wraps up until that weekend and at the end of October. And essentially it kind of all fell through and uh, Donegal went another way so and by look, under a, wraps when they say under wraps like, well I don't think did they propose it to the of, county board I wonder well my reading of it is that they didn't want the proposal until the county final was wrapped up and done so it was quite late in the day when it was put forward I know and but that's a potential reason why possibly yeah, because I know sure. that in Kerry it was it was at the same time Kerry had no manager right and it was so open of what was happening. There was interviews on this date and who was on that ticket and who was mm. on that ticket. And that was being criticised as well that it was too open. So it's either completely hush-hush or it's too open. There's probably a middle ground that's best, but if you if you don't disclose it, the chances are you don't get that feel-good bounce off it. They probably, yeah, missed, yeah. They probably missed the boat, did they? Well, it's, it's just, it's very hard to know. Um, but I tell you what, the piece is well worth reading and it would just show you a county where there's there's quite a bit of discontent and disarray and arguing and a lot of people who feel like Carl Lacey should have been backed and the project that they had mm. they had began, it should have found a way to resolve it and get that on the on the on the right path. But look, we've yeah. seen it with certain counties. If they get a couple of things wrong, it's very well, easy to fall behind. Honestly, the I mean, just like I, I think this is a very unfortunate situation and the reaction to it, like say Carl Lacey is uh, G icon up there, most decorated player. He has the experience, the playing experience of, of being successful at the highest level, as does Rory Kevin and Jim McGuinness as a player and a coach. He has the academic background, his masters, the work he does in, in universities there. He seems like the ideal fit to go in, whatever about the senior position under Rory Kavanagh, just the development of an underage development system in Donegal, which, and I know the piece delves into this, that Donegal, okay, over the last maybe 10 years or so, they've been one of the dominant senior teams in, in the Ulster Championship, but they haven't really had any success at schools or underage level in comparison to the likes of a, of a Tyrone. Tyrone or a Derry or a Monaghan. Even, even Cavan would have had a, had a lot of success in comparison to, to Donegal over that period of time. The biggest issue and the biggest challenge for counties is... When players or coaches, so underage players or senior players and their coaches aren't aligned with the administration of that county board. And I understand that players and coaches have a very maybe different approach. They're on the ground. There might be um, friction between the on-field and the administration in the background. That's not a Donegal thing. That is across, I'd say, every county. We've spoken about before, the, the administration in in Crow Park, for example, the late the All Ireland Club final, the, the issues that there seems to be a disconnect with what happens on the field and in the boardrooms of counties and executives. If that is not aligned, you do start getting situations like this. And the most successful counties, we had Rory Gallagher on the show talking about this in in Derry, when the on-field stuff is aligned, and it doesn't have to agree all the time, but there's they can complement each other. They can come to a compromise and an agreement between the county board and the players and the coaches. 
that is a recipe for success. When that starts to go awry, you do start getting issues like this. And we've seen it. We spoke about it, Tommy, with Mead for the last couple of years where there's stuff going on off the pitch and it's clearly impacting the whole atmosphere around football in the county. I was very fortunate with, with our Dublin team. We had very good alignment with the county board, John Coslow, these guys. There was a support from both parties. We understood and respected, okay, there's certain things we mightn't necessarily agree wholeheartedly on, but we've come to a compromise. There was dialogue there. There was respect between the parties. And in this instance, if you're in the Donegal County Board and somebody is going out of their way to try and set up, your volunteers going to coaching sessions, you have a figurehead and someone like Carl Lacey with total respect across the county to set up a pathway for underage players, that has to be seen as beneficial to everyone involved in Donegal GAA. That has to be made work. And yes, if there's disagreement, and from reading the piece, it's around kind of logistics, administration, finance, always comes into it, whether you like it or not. But the county board and Carl and his management team, there has to be a way to find a compromise there because Carl Acey and, and, and the coaches have lost out. Donegal County Board have most certainly lost out on a really good programme and place to bring through younger players. But the sad thing here, the underage players in Donegal, 14, 15, 16 years of age, boys, girls that would have been involved in these development squads and would have been exposed to this type of coaching from brilliant, brilliant coaches and brilliant players of Donegal's history. They're the ones who are missing out most here. Mm. So if there's ego, if there's personality clashes, if there's a county board cannot see the vision that Carl Lacey and Jim McGuinness and these guys have for the future of Donegal football, I think that's an unbelievably sad situation to be in. And the success that Donegal have had over the last decade since Jim McGuinness's reign and the brilliant core group of players they had, we can see that that's starting to come to an end. We, we see that the pipeline is drying up and if that can't be rectified and if we're seeing the situation play out in the national media, it's just a really sad situation for all parties. But the bottom line is the young players, young Gaelic footballers in Donegal, they're the ones who are going to they're the ones taking the biggest hit on this and that's a terrible situation. This needs to be fixed and Without knowing the, the complete ins and outs, if I was in Donegal GAA, I would want someone like Carl Lacey involved as much as humanly possible in the future success of football in that county. So it's surprising and it's disappointing to see it develop like this over the last couple of weeks. Yeah. I think, I think Tommy, that like Rory or Kavanaugh, Lacey and McGuinness would be a dream ticket for any county in the country, anywhere, not just their home county, Do you anywhere. know, like anyone be looking at that going, Oh my god, how jealous are we that the boys are after getting sorted like that above? Like that would have been monumental, yeah, it would have been a monumental appointment. But that article by Carr makes it makes the Donegal County Board look so amateur. Mm. And he, he had a quote from McGuinness's book saying that mm. they wanted donations around the All Ireland time and they were saying, Don't send them to the county board. Like, it was just, it was just, yeah. Like I'd be, I'd be very like you can't obviously paint everyone with the same brush or something like that. And McGuinness's quote at the time was, was uh, yes. he went looking for money from outside, and they were like, "Don't get." So like that's an opinion, and like I think it, 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 the other thing on a change, every county board has, has problems, and there's always friction. Loads of good work as well. County boards and, and coaches and things like that. County board have to look after things away from the pitch and the, the wider Gaelic games in that county, but there has to be some sort of alignment there. And for, for this, like, for this to collapse completely, like there might be concessions that in Donegal's Carl Lacey might have to make in certain instances, and there's certain concessions that the county board will have to make. But surely they can, everyone there can see the benefit of this vision. It just needs to be made work. In, there has to be some sort of compromise. But for this yeah. to just collapse altogether, it's just like like academies were allowed to re- return to training on the first of March. There was no training in Donegal. They're hoping like to get it back for the 18th of March. They have no coaches. So it's, it's the players, the kids in this instance for underage teams, they're the ones taking the hit. Yeah, yeah but for, for, for every coach to walk with Carlesi is stark as well. It says something. Like it says it, it, what says they it all. It, it says everything. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And you're saying that the, the young lad has taken hit, 100%. And once in their history, Donegal have been in an all Ireland minor final. Yeah. How... In God's name is that. And someone like Carl Lacey, as you said, with all his expertise, all his playing experience, his academia, goes in, tries to take it by the scruff of the neck and 
Yeah. Take it yeah. Rid of him. Or it, it, there's a fallout, which is, it, it's very disappointing to hear, to be honest. It is. And like, Donegal, for as long as we've been doing this podcast, which is since 2021, Donegal are a team that we've allowed ourselves to get excited by, but maybe when stuff is going on in the background, it's just, there's a reason why things aren't just clicking on the field. I think Eamon McGee... But you know what, Tommy? I, I think Donegal, this will, this will hit Donegal. Maybe not necessarily we're talking about this weekend, that they're right up against it to... Uh, stay in Division 1, that could be an immediate hit. That's not necessarily linked to this scenario. If this scenario continues to fester and there is no um, investment and there's no solution found to this in the underage systems in Donegal, this, what's happened in the last couple of months, is going to hit Donegal for the next 10 years. Mm-hmm. And that, that just, I'm not from Donegal. Do you know what I mean? I don't have a vested interest in this, but I just think any county you're trying to look at what's the pathway for your younger players to try and come up through the system and give them the best opportunity to represent the county at senior level. And for Donegal, like, one minor final. This is a football mad county. Like yeah. It's not like there's like, it's split and they're, they're losing players to hurling or soccer or rugby or whatever. This is a football mad county. And that's why it's so surprising to see it, see it happening. But if this isn't fixed, and it, look, it looks pretty stark there at the minute. Donegal, this is going to hurt them for decades. Like. Yeah. But you have to say as well, as a as a young fellow, right? Or a young boy or girl, a year lost of that level of maybe development or training. At that or, age is it's, it's like three years. Yeah, it's crucial. You know, it's not like you're 21, you're losing a year, or look, we'll make you don't make it back. Like that those development years are so important. That's why it would have been so exciting having Carlacy involved. But to lose a year if they don't get it sorted, that is damaging. Yeah, yeah. I think Emma McGee in his Irish Star column last week put it very well. He said that ousting Lacey was as if Donegal got a winning lotto ticket and they just flushed it down the toilet. So um, go have a read of Carol Kane's piece um, and make your own mind up what's going on in Donegal. It is a story that will roll on and I'm sure we'll hear plenty from the Donegal County Board and uh, hopefully Carl Lacey at some stage gets a chance to chat and fill us in. On- so you know, hopefully it's fixed and it can come to some exactly. sort of solution for this that would be ideal get back involved in some sort of compromise but you don't you can't afford to have people of that quality walking away no. from a county without any sort of replacement either mm. <laughs> it's not like oh if Carl Lacey goes you, we've another three or four guys maybe not as good as Carl stepping in the whole thing just seems to have collapsed so that, that just yeah. hopefully that is fixed sooner rather than later and a compromise can be arranged and for Donegal's sake well, Michael McGeehan, who would be uh, an incredibly experienced coach, is seemingly um, heading up the academy now. And himself, McGeehan, Lacey, the former chairman, Mick McGrath, who would have been the chairman at the time of the uh, this all kind of went down. And the new chairman, Fergus McGee, could not be contacted on the Thursday and declined to comment. So that's that piece. Go have a read of it. I want to move on to Clonus. We will go back to the dubs last year and how that game went down in a couple of minutes. But I want to bring James O'Donoghue back in time to the summer of 2018 and the 73rd minute under the standing clonus. He gets the ball in acres of space. He's going for an outside of the right point, was it? Outside of the left. I don't he have an outside up. of the right. Outside of the left point. The are nowhere near him. There's nobody near him. And he punts it. <laughs> Hang on, no. Back up. A you punt. for the score and he dropped the chart. I'm not Keith Wood. It was an absolute delightful outside talk of the Talk is true. For anyone who doesn't I remember, can't. talk is true. <laughs> What's going on? You're a goal down. No, do you know what I do remember with that? I was dropped, right? But I was <laughs> named on the team. And like all friends and family and everything travelled up. I obviously couldn't say I was dropped. No. So they travelled up to Clonus. Like, I felt so Not bad after that. <laughs> About a six hour drive up. And next thing, there has been one change on the carry team. <laughs> but, who who uh, took your place? Four and a half hours. Oh, Danahy came back in, I think. So what was the full forward like? Cliff Danahy and Stephen O'Brien, was it? I forget. I forget. Cliff Donahue Ganey. Stephen O'Brien at 12. Sean O'Shea, who kicked eight points, seven from freeze at 11. And Kevin McCarthy, who's now playing with London this year, started out. They'd have had you in instead of the Cliff, Jimmy, at least. <laughs> the, Cliff, the Cliff scored one three. Cliff was only 15 at the time. So James, go on. You're, you're chasing it. You're in, oh, we you're were, in the bear we were three downs. Yeah. yeah, we were. McManus got a great goal in the first half straight from a big and kick out. 
It was outrageous. It was now it was a beautiful hot day. He put the ball down on the tee and he launched it. I'm not even joking. I reckon it hit the 21 on the other side of the field. <laughs> the other way, a hot O'Neill just flies. But they got a they got a route one goal anyway. McManus had a great finish. And we were chasing the game after that. I think we were we we're three down, maybe a minute to go. So I was kind of around the place trying to get the ball. I was underneath the, I was by the dug outside. I don't know, I was there standing there. There must be a stand there. Mm. And Danny was inside. So obviously I just pinged it and outside the left in. Danny, he got a lovely flick down to Cliffy and it was tight angle. I'd say he was about six or seven yards out, but well over on the right and the 13 corner spot. And he just pinged the side of the foot across his body back into the far Such corner. A beautiful finish. Just a great finish, pure instinctive. Yeah. Because when you get a tap down like that, next to the goal if you think about it your your time is up you have to not think about it so whatever the first thing that comes to you if that's not right you won't score so mm. for him to actually get the catch and the finish right without thinking was just exceptional so we got we got level and then we had we had the next we had the next chance i i actually had a chance i was one on one with my man and i turned back because i was like I don't know, will I slot this? And we worked a shot and we ended up, I think David Moran had a shot from about 35 yards, just went wide. So we drew and then we beat Kildare, but we got knocked out of the, the group. Yeah, super poor Monaghan were in the All-Ireland semi-finals if they had beaten, if they had beaten you that day. Yeah. Monaghan beat Galway the following week. Galway needed to beat Monaghan. Monaghan to avoid, to avoid to Dublin in the semi-final. They'd have been in the All-Ireland final. Like, I know, and I they, remember that. They, yeah. I think they played a weekend team. So they, we, they played we a weekend team, but Monaghan beat them. We played Kildare at think, home. I think they countered that. I think Michael Meehan told us last year at our Kilmacud Roadshow that they didn't play a weekend team, but Monaghan just caught them. <laughs> they had one eye on the semi. They got wiped. Like, maybe they fenced yeah. themselves against Dublin. Maybe they wanted to play Dublin in the semi rather than the final. You wouldn't know what's going on in the thought process there, but we what played Kildare then. What was the experience of playing in Clonus? As in, like, was this... Like, do you think like, that there is a factor there that Monaghan is at home? <laughs> Istanbul, I, Jimmy. Yeah, but are you saying, is it, is it a fiery away venue? Do you know, like, like c- compared, to, compared to other league games that you've made a play, was that the first time you played in Clonus? It was. Um, yeah, the atmosphere was, was great, but it was more of a, a football-y atmosphere rather than... Um, do you know, That's an intimidating mm. kind of a, an atmosphere. Um, I think that Monaghan definitely fancies their chances. It's a tough place to go, no doubt about it. Mm. Um, but it's different now with Tyrone and Monaghan. That's different kettle of fish, that rivalry. But yeah, it's a, like that, that'll be, that will be an intense, intense crowd. I always enjoyed it up there, I have to say. We had some brilliant... Uh, I don't think we ever played championship there, but we played Monaghan in a lot of league games, obviously, over the years. Some brilliant league games. Always in Clonus, was it? Yeah, we, we, tried, we must have played up there four times, I'd say. Um, I remember one year in particular, maybe it might have been that season. It might have been 18 or, might have been 17 or 18. And there were Jack McCarran scored about 1-7 or 1-8 against yeah. They went six or seven points up. It was a beautiful, I think it was the second last league game. So it was coming end of March, start of April. So, was getting close to the championship there always, and there was a massive crowd. It was a good day. And we ended up coming back and McCaffrey got a goal, I think, did he? At the end, Tommy. I'd have to double check that one. Probably. Either McCaffrey or he assisted a goal. You should know that off the top of your head, Tommy. Come on. <laughs> yeah, you know these things. But anyway, it was just a brilliant atmosphere. It was a brilliant... Anytime we went up to Clonus, but particularly this stage, coming towards the end of the National League, was always a better... We played them in the first game of the National League as well one year and it wasn't... I didn't enjoy that one too much. They beat us, but... As you start getting closer to the championship, not just Clonus this weekend, but weather gets better, the pitches are getting harder, and you can smell the championship, and the crowd sense that as well. So, for a game like this, where as James is saying, it's two, it's two big rivals, big yeah. big rivals with a lot of history between these two teams, and a lot of stake, and and a lot at stake. This is lit. I agree. Whoever loses this one is pretty much gone. Um, I'm intrigued to see I'm intrigued to see Tyrone because they've been pretty brutal in this National League but bounced back with I'd say their best performance in the good to 18 months last weekend beating Kerry in, in Oma Monaghan like I said I didn't fancy them at all from the get-go at the start of this league campaign 
particularly after seeing the McLarty against Kerry, I, I thought they were very poor and the right was on the wall. But Vinnie Corrie's managed to get a big kick out of them. Mm. And like I said, with a local derby, and Clonus could swing her for them. Clonus is a big advantage uh, this weekend. But it's this will have the sense of a championship game. Really, but it's not it's, it's, yeah, you're down. So, I agree. I think it's going to be the most intriguing, and most probably <laughs> the most intense game of the weekend. But I'm fascinated to see can Donegal can they keep the show on the road with Vinnie Curry and and Manning. Or, sorry, Manning. Uh, and more importantly, with, with Tyrone, can they back up that win against Kerry? Mm. Or is are, are they going to fall into that trap again and that inconsistency and underperforming? So, an intriguing game this weekend. But yeah, the loser is out of here. Yeah, in a precarious <laughs> position. You were right, Paddy. 2017, McCarran kicked 1-9. 1-9, yeah. Burlo got the first goal for Dublin that day. You kicked two points and Jack McCaffrey scored a goal in injury time as you won he by did, the goal. Yeah, yeah. It was a great kick pass into him, which I think was from me. There you go. <laughs> Let's get that footage. Let's get that footage. Well, I, I, you know what? Because I, I wasn't sure did he assist or not. Well, I'm also done with kick passes right were shot strapping short. No, no, this was from way deeper. This was, this was outside of the right for me. It was similar enough around where you kicked yours from. Nice. Um, I just remember it was a great game because they were going wild because they were looked at, they looked like they were home and host. Yeah. Um, and the atmosphere was class. It was a decent crowd from Dublin as well. So, Clonus is a cool place to play, lads. Yeah, it's, it's always a nice one to go up there. It's not the most uh, dressing rooms, etc. Yeah, <laughs> room it's not five star, but um, but the atmosphere is class. Armagh Galway. What mm. are we expecting here? It's two teams that are uh, essentially safe. Like Armagh could. So the winner, see, for, for this one, the winner probably makes the league final, don't they? Yeah, yeah. Say. Well, yeah, they put themselves in a really good position going into the last yeah. game. I think the last games will all mean something. To be honest, Armagh are on five points. They actually, they actually aren't fully safe yet. Uh, Galway are on six. They're in third place. Um, this well, is actually, if, Gal- if Galway win it, then Kerry, Kerry would have to beat Galway on the last day to keep Galway from reaching there and yeah. beat Ross Common. So it's a long shot. So trending towards a Galway Mayo League final. I yeah. Feel. Yeah, I think so, yeah. League final that nobody wants to be in. Well, Galway have a bit of time if they're in it. Yeah, they do, but they'll be facing one of the Mayoras common in the... the I don't buy into that doesn't want to be in a thing. Really? No. I think win a trophy, what a boost. Now, don't lose the final if you get there, I would say that, because that, (laughs) that could be a pin in a balloon kind of situation, but what a chance to win a trophy, win a national final in front of a massive crowd in Crow Park. That could start, that kickstart your season. Yeah. And you're into then probably eight games, into a run of eight games to win All-Ireland off the back of already winning a trophy. Yeah, I think it's, you, I think it's, think, not, it's, not, it's not a downside at all. You think Galway's situation, lads, as well. Like, like They lost the All-Ireland final last year. This is, I think this would be a big bounce back from, to, to go and win a National League. Yeah. And, and they're a developing team. Um, Mayo, even though they've new coaches, you could argue, say, for their senior players as a national league, they, they won one a couple of years ago to beat Kerry. I still think it's really important to them as well. But for Galway, I, ju- I, ju- I just think that would be a big win for this Galway team and for Parrick Joyce and, and that whole group. And then for Mayo, the fact that they have new management team in, I think it would be a great start for McStay and his management team to get over the line. If, if maybe perhaps it might mean as much to the likes of Achille O'Connor, Aidan O'Shea, who went on the road for so long, they've won an actual league before. But I just think for the entire group and a new coaching team like next day, I think it would be valuable to both both of those yeah. teams. And I think, like I said, this stage of the season, you get a sense of where teams are at in the National League and start looking going, okay, these, these teams are doing well, these teams are struggling. And over the course of Division 1, I think Mayo have gotten stronger nearly every week. And I think Galway, Galway really should have should be nearly in the league final already. They should have beaten Mayo the first night in Castle Bar. They should have beaten Donegal as well. They had a couple of chances at the end. So uh, I think they've probably been the two best teams in Division 1. There's been inconsistency across the other teams and there's just been poor performances the likes of, uh, of Donegal and Tyrone earlier in the campaign. So I I would back Galway to beat, win that game okay. against their man. I, I would. The fact that they've they're starting to get the key guys back. Shane Walsh is obviously back. Finnerty's back. Killian McDade is back. They're still missing Comer. Obviously, he's a, he's a big loss to them, but I've been impressed with Galway 
any time I've seen them through this National League and they're starting to get their, their key guys back as well. So I would fancy them against that Armagh team. James, you I saw agree. Armagh in the flesh in Tralee. Yeah. Tralee, wasn't it? Don't bring this that game, game up again. This game is in the box at Athletic Grounds. Sorry, I'm going to go back to that game. Armagh and Galway played out an epic All-Ireland quarterfinal, like the most chaotic mental game of football. Game of the uh, season last year, probably. Probably. Like even off, Everton was just absolutely insane. <laughs> and Armagh obviously thrives within that manic period of the game. Mm-hmm. When there was a bit of structure on it, they seemed to be in a bit of bother and they needed those goals late on when they started bombing balls in on top of Gleeson. They got mm-hmm. a couple of goals and dragged themselves back into it. Can you see Merritt and Armagh changing their style a little bit this year, trying to add something a little, a little different, uh, trying to save the chaos maybe for a little later in the championship? I can. I mean, you see, the way that Armagh play when they're when they're rolling, when they're going well, is chaotic because they're kicking the ball and there's some being turned over and they're on they're being counterattacked against. So I think that even when they're playing brilliantly, it's going to bring an element of of that chaos. I think the Galway, I think the Galway like like the structure. So I think it's going to be, it's a hard one to call. I mean, I, I don't think that Armagh should go completely away from what they were doing and start playing a bit safer because in the end, at the end of the day, they're going to take away their main threat, which is kicking the ball, catching it and putting it over the bar. Because as we said, when the, when the play is slow and controlled and maybe in a system, I, I don't think that Armagh are as effective at picking off scores. If you look back at Galway, like Galway have proven that they can play the football. They can play the beautiful, attractive brand that they did in the All Ireland final. But I think that they're also excellent at playing the nitty gritty stuff. If you look at some of the the athletes, some of the characters, the personalities, and just the sheer size of men they have, I think that that they're excellent at playing that that structured way as well. So I don't know if Armagh going back into a structured place is going to necessarily suit them against Galway. Um, for me Galway are, are just impressing me more and more I think they have an X factor in Keane O'Neill as a coach I think he's improved them massively since he's gone in there um, I said they can play it every way and they've made a few additions I think it's going to be it's going to be a brilliant game I think that Armagh at home will fancy their chances but I think that Galway just have it all at the moment I, I, I would I would fancy Galway to, to pick up a win even though away from home wins are not easy but that could yeah. be a statement win for them. Okay. That sounds good. It's going to be a cracking weekend of action. Just to give you a heads up on what games are on TV, on Saturday, Mead in Dublin is at three o'clock. Uh, that is going to be on RTE. And Arnold Galway has the unenviable task of being up against Ireland England at 5pm. So maybe, boys, we might watch that back Sunday morning before we record the pod. <laughs> so, uh, try Nobody tweet us the score. We'll put it that way. Uh, Kerry Roscommon is going to be live at 7.30 on Saturday afternoon on TG Carr. On Sunday, Derry Clare is going to be available on the BBC iPlayer. Man and Tyrone is on TG Carr live at 1.45pm. And Donegal Mayo is going to be on a quarter to four. So a feast of football live. Division two. Again, every game matters. Let's uh, have a quick run through. Does every game matter and now you're going to list off ones that don't Every game Except matters. For. But, <laughs> Except for know, these three. <laughs> the game that matters the most is Limerick Kildare. Because Limerick... And and we we didn't get into it from the start. Limerick have got rid of their manager, Ray Dempsey, this week. Dempsey was in the mix for the Mayo job, got very close to it. Uh, he had Keith Higgins on his management ticket. He had Ushi McConville, if you remember, yeah. on his management ticket. That very high-profile Mayo chase for uh, that job. Didn't get it. He obviously got approached by Limerick and got announced as the Limerick manager in the late autumn and went about putting together a backroom team then before Christmas. Took over Limerick. They've had a tough time in Division 2. They got their first points of the weekend of the league last weekend against Mead with a draw. Possibly should have beaten Mead. And on Thursday night, we heard that Dempsey had uh, effectively handed in his notice that he was going to be stepping down. And this was off the back of a team meeting with the players that had. Um, The Irish Examiner reported that... uh, Dempsey announced his intention to step aside on Thursday evening after the players met last week. Issues around man management and preparation came to a head following the 24-point defeat against Cork. They are currently bottom of Division 2 and they also confirmed that selector 
Mark Fitzgerald, a Kerry native, will be taken over from Dempsey for the rest of the season. And they will be making no further comment. I always find it interesting, and we don't know we're not inside the Limerick camp, but I, I would find it interesting that man management is something that's brought up when you think of the yeah. fact that Limerick had someone like Billy Lee in charge for five years and you know would have developed a lot of really strong relationships with a squad of players that he had. Can't be easy for the next man to come in, whether he has a different way about him, different personality, wants to put a different stamp on things. Uh, yeah, man and management is, is one of those issues I think is easy to just throw in there. That, that was the problem, but I but think it's, it's, a not, a, it's not a good one that that's come up either. Like, we don't like the tactics or whatever it might be. Or just, but like man management, there's, there's clearly been, for them to say that, <laughs> there's been personality clashes there. That's reading between the lines. Um we spoke about this before, myself and Jimmy, and we've had coaches on here. The you only get one go at a first impression, and you need to set your style out. Like I said, particularly whether it's a brand new coach or um or you're taking over a team that hasn't been successful or they have been successful, it doesn't really matter. When you come in as the main man into a dressing room for the players and, and, and back room, you you need to make a positive impression. You've got a finite window there where you get the players on side, you get the key players on side, and you set your stall out. And right from the get go, that doesn't seem to have gone very well in Limerick. And I don't like if you don't know the ins and outs, but from the beginning of the season, they have struggled massively in Division One. The success they've had and built up over the last number of years, like say four or five years, building under Billy Lee to get up to this position, all that good work seems to have been basically wiped away in the space of two months. Um, and clearly whatever's happened at the beginning of Ray Dempsey's tenure it just hasn't worked whether it's maybe a bit from the players a bit from the coaching side but the, the man management thing is never a good thing to come in they clearly haven't got on so that that first manager's speech and the first couple of weeks of training obviously didn't seem to go very well by all accounts and um, it's a really tough situation for Limerick and a, a difficult one for them because like I said, they had made such big strides under Billy Lee for it to seemingly crumble pretty quickly. And that's disappointing. And like we said, from again, from day one, we expected them to be under real pressure in Division 2. But just the manner in which they've been kind of swatted aside in most of their games, is that's the worrying thing. They got a bit of a kick against me. to be interested now with the change. That came the after big, the players' meeting. But the big thing I'd say, this, do, this type of thing does put pressure on the players. Mm-hmm. to perform that if the players are saying to kind of say listen this this isn't working out and nearly we're going to push the manager out it does put pressure on the players to perform immediately um, and, and this weekend we, we spoke about Monaghan and Throne as kind of mm. or die in Division 1 whoever loses this one and, and even if look, whoever even if whoever wins this game is still right in the relegation trouble but if, if Kildare or Limerick lose this game in the weekend they're gone so there's pressure on the players already because of the game but I think there's even a little bit more pressure on the Limerick players now because everyone's going to be looking for a response from them if the last manager didn't work it's on them to try and make the new one work yeah I, sure. I think it's very hard as well going in as a manager after a team has had a standout year or kind of maxed out a bit like Limerick yeah. got to the Munster final I know it didn't go exactly how they probably would have planned but away to Kerry in Killarney on a beautiful day was was <laughs> a, t- a tough gig to be fair but they had a great year so then when the new manager comes in and they might change one or two things, the players must question, why are you changing that when we had such a good year last year? There's kind of there's kind of a wall up already. And he's also if, coming he's also coming from a completely different county. Yeah. I think that has to be a factor. When you, I just when I saw my man like you're talking about a completely different character to Billy Lee, a fella whose guy did knock more to back to back titles in Mayo. But what the knock more titles mean to Limerick footballers? Yeah, nothing, yeah. Yeah, it's it's a toughie. Like and those Limerick fellas, they probably had such a great camaraderie with Billy Lee last year, and to split that up was probably, you know, a blow for them anyway. So we briefly mentioned it last week. Kildare, the only team in the country not to score a goal, a fairly stark statistic. They are the second lowest scorers across all four divisions. Waterford are four points behind them. Like we said about Donegal, on paper, Kildare have quality forwards. What is going on? I it's I don't think anyone is, has been able to put a finger on this. Like we were speaking at the outset here, our predictions are an absolute shambles, as we all know. 
but I think we were, were reasonably confident that Kildare were going to go well in this division. Uh, their aspirations of getting back to Division 1, trying to close that gap on Dublin in the Leicester Championship. And from day one of this season, it nothing seems to have gone well for Kildare. They kind of scraped the win in Ennis and only for that could the late revival down there they'd nearly be gone already. But it's just the manner of their defeats has been the most surprising thing. To be absolutely wiped in Newbridge by Cork and Derry, um, I don't think... Uh, look, there's just a matter of their feats. The, the Derry game in particular, you couldn't get a sense of what Kildare were trying to do defensively. Like Derry could have scored six or seven goals that day. There was no sense of any sort of attacking game plan. They look sluggish and lethargic, so they're kind of thinking, is Glenn Ryan running these guys into the ground? Are they trying to peak for a championship or something like that? That's a very, 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 very risky strategy to take with the new structure, and particularly when you're in Division 2. They might be peaking for the Talton Cup if, the, if things keep going the way they're going. But just, I, I, I just can't get a sense of what Kildare are trying to do here. That if, like you've watched their games, it's not like they're trying a new style of play where they're maybe bringing everyone behind the ball and trying to be more defensive or they're trying to play all-out attack or a running game. There's, it's just such a mishmash of nothingness, really, from Kildare. None of their, none of their players are playing well. There's no standout performances. They've no sort of kind of standout game plan that they're trying to adhere to. And just their energy in the games as well. They just seem so, so flat. Something seems to be amiss since day one here in this league campaign. And if they don't if they don't get a result at the weekend, they're gone. You, you know, they're yeah. really the Talented Cup for Kildare. But the players they have, the quality that they have in that squad, it's such a surprise. Like we spoke last year, we praised that management team, Glenn Ryan. Rainbow, Dermot Early, Johnny Doyle, absolute legends of Kildare GAA. Hmm. But something seems to have gone haywire so, so far here to date. And if they don't get it back quickly, this is going to be a long, long year for that Kildare team and their supporters. You mentioned that win in, in, in Ennis and that was massive because they have Clare in the head-to-head. And even if they lose this weekend and Clare failed to beat Derry, who are obviously one of the informed teams in the country, it means that in the final day, Claire, uh, Kildare will set up a chance to stay up. If they beat mm-hmm. Mead and... Um, if Kildare actually, lose to Limerick this weekend, Tommy, I don't see them bouncing actually, back. No, do energy. you know what, actually? You're right. I'm trying to figure out the, the permutations here in my head. Yeah, you're right. Because uh, one of Limerick or Clare will stay up then with a win in, in the final group game. They play each other. So, yeah, must win for Kildare. But in fairness to Kildare last year, the way they were playing, they created a lot but you got the impression that they could concede a lot. Whereas this year, they have no interest in scoring either. You know, they're not creating anything. <laughs> they're not creating any scoring chances in front of goals. I know that Flynn has been out um, and he's obviously a massive loss. He's, he is mercurial he's, in fairness to Daniel Flynn. But he's he's been like, back, like, yeah. He has been playing. He's, he's, he's a maverick back. coming off the bench. I know, but look, it's, you, 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 it's hard to just land back into the team and, and lead the whole thing. He started the last injury. But isn't it, Jimmy? It's you, want, just, you want a few games under your belt. Yeah. To, it's, not just to Daniel Flynn. it's not just Daniel Flynn coming back and playing well. It solves the problem. It's, this is like systemic. Yeah. Like, like, nothing is working for them. Nothing in attack, yeah. in defence, on kickouts. And just the, the Derry game, having watched that, was just such an eye opener. It was like a training match for Derry. And that was in Newbridge. Do you know what I mean? I mean, we spoke about how important Newbridge the advantage of Gibbs Kildare games. But it was just like honestly watching a minor challenge match. And that, that was the most worrying thing. Like I said, you can't get any definitive insight into what they're trying to do with the ball or without the ball. None of their players are playing well. And yet we know how quality Daniel Flynn can be. But even him being in his best form, there just seems like such wider issues across Kildare. And this is the interesting one for them because teams who haven't been performing, they've had a two-week window here to take stock to have kind of iron out any sort of issues players might have or coaches might have and get some clarity around the game plan and like I say Tommy even if Kildare don't win this game against Limerick good luck to them. They're, mm. they're finished yeah. look, if you look at if you look at their forwards on paper for a team who hasn't scored a goal McCormack Kerwin <laughs> Highland Flynn Woodgate like these are fellas that they're, they're good players they're outstanding players incredible yeah it is they're so- serious talent there it's just it's disappointing to see that there there there's something obviously going wrong at training. 
Like it does start there. Like Paddy, you always say it. You resort back to your level of training no matter what what goes on. When you're under pressure, that's that's where you fall to. Yeah. There's obviously something going going wrong on a Tuesday and a Thursday. Yeah. yeah. But, but that that's the thing for like you'll see this weekend. They've had a couple of weeks to try. They know they're under pressure. That there's no ambiguity there. Anyone involved with Calder GA, those the coaches, Glenn Ryan and his management team, the players themselves will know they are under pressure to deliver performance. Mm. And if they don't, if they don't, like say, right, you'll be rising to the occasion or falling to the level of your training. If, if they don't perform this weekend and are beaten again, that's nearly a write-off of a season for Kildare. And with the quality they have, that's just not acceptable. So that will be one to watch closely this weekend. But both teams, Limerick and Kildare, they have struggled year to date. So it might be the highest on quality, but it's an important game in terms yeah. of rescuing a season for either one of those teams. Yeah, 100%. And like, as we know, sixth place doesn't guarantee a place in the Sam Maguire either, but like Kildare are fighting for their lives at the minute. So we'll see what happens. Is it, if game. you go down from two, I'm you're trying to refresh the memory, you're definitely, definitely gone. Talton yeah. Definitely Talton. You're yeah. out of here. Maybe they're looking for a team yeah. holiday. Yeah. Win, the, win the Talton, they'll be over to Mexico like the West Mead boys. Yeah, they're playing the long game. They are strategy. <laughs> you could be honest. I love them. Yeah, Derry Clare is up up in Owen Beg. I double checked that and it's not Kevin. It's in Owen Beg. And Loud and Cork is on an RD, the two form teams outside of yeah. Derry, really, in the division. Uh, probably harsh in Dublin saying that, given that they've won four games. But, you know, we've been impressed with Loud and Cork over the last couple of weeks. That'll be very interesting to see where that goes. Um, I'm going to get in trouble for asking this question because apparently I talk about Mead too much. But, James, last week you said Derry didn't back themselves to get the ball over the Dublin fullback line enough. Well, you can be sure as hell that Colin O'Rourke's Mead will kick the ball into the Dublin fullback line. But will that be a good thing for Mead to do? Yeah, I'm actually looking forward to this game for that reason. I think, and an unpopular opinion maybe, that the Dublin fullback line is there for the taking. I think that if you put enough ball in there, if you're willing to maybe sacrifice a few or let a few go awry, I think that if you if you put enough ball in there, there's goal chances there. Um, the way Dublin play at the moment, if you do kick the ball in and it comes back out, I don't think that Dublin are playing with ferocious pace that they're going to hit you on a massive counter-attack. I think that Dublin are playing with a slow build-up at the moment. So it'd be interesting to see if me, they're punished by Dublin for kicking the ball away. But I think there is there is serious hay to be made if they kick, kick accurately, kick at the right times, and when the Dublin full-back line is marking from the front, kick over them. I, I yeah. think that I think that that's the danger. I I'd be worried for two reasons, right? The weather this weekend is supposed to be brutal, and similar yeah. to Owen Beg and Mead got opened up. Paddy mentioned a minor match the other day. It was like under 14s against the Derry seniors when they played in Derry's hands a couple of weeks ago, and Derry destroyed them. The second reason I'd be worried is, Paddy, would you be expecting a bit of a backlash from Dublin this week? Um, I I think both of these teams. It's funny. You would expect they would have learned most lessons from their games against Derry. That for me, we we spoke about it. They got off a really good start, but we expected teething problems. They're trying to play a new way, a new style of play from, from the Andy McIntyre reign. There's obviously going to be teething issues in that. They would have, you would feel or hope that they would have learned a lot from the naivety, I suppose, of that game plan against Derry about how careless they were, kick passing the ball away. Anytime they did that, they were punished. And for Dublin as well that second half performance against Derry, that there's lessons to be taken from that. Um, we spoke at length about this, that when it's a really, really controlled game, Dublin are still right at the, the apex of, of Gaelic football when it's a game like that. Sunday or Saturday afternoon in, in Pork Talton is not going to be like that. Me, they're going to play on the front foot. And in a way, I want to see that because I want to see how Dublin play against that. It's going to be an open game. There's going to be loads of kick passing. There's going to be turnovers. Can Dublin throw the shackles off a little bit and go back to that? I'm not saying they need to be swashbuckling 100% of the time, but get some of that risk back in their play and get some of that pace back into their attack. I'd love to see Conor Callahan inside the 21 for 10, 15 minutes at a go. I think he could have a really good day if that, if that yeah. happens. Um, so I think there's both teams I'm hoping have learned lessons from what we've seen over the last couple of weeks particularly their games against Derry 
I, I would expect Dublin to win this game. I definitely would. But I hope to see a little tweak in their play. I thought they were good defensively. I thought the first half against Derry was the best that they played in a long time. Can we keep that element of play? Deal with those kick passes and direct style from, from Mead. But also, just get that little bit of buzz back in their attack. That's that's what I really want to see. Them. I know that's what Dublin supporters want to see as well. That bit of energy back in their attack and play. Yeah. Hopefully it's a cracking game and a nice little warm-up for Armagh Galway at five o'clock because we'll obviously all be watching that. Could be a busy Saturday, Saturday afternoon. Could be a busy yeah. weekend, lads. It's going to be very busy Saturday. Just to mention the fixtures in Division 3, we'll be keeping a close eye on these. The promotion race is fascinating behind Cavan. Four teams are competing for that second spot. Uh, Fermanagh are on eight points. Westmead are on six. Down are on six. And Offaly are on six. Fermanagh take on Westmead in what is going to be one of their two promotion shootouts. Yeah. Down take on Longford and Offaly are facing Tipperary this weekend. Cavan play Antrim. Antrim desperately need a win to keep themselves safe in Division 3. In Division 4, uh, top of the table clash in ways. Leitrim face Leash uh, in Carrick on Challenge. They host them. Uh, Sligo take on Carlo. They need a win there. Um, to keep their promotion hopes on track. Wexford take on Wicklow. Wicklow still in the mix after a couple of big wins and Wexford have an outside chat at promotion and the two basement teams in the division, Waterford host London. It's going to be a great weekend of football, lads. Um, I enjoyed this week. Missed it. missed it last week, didn't we? Yeah, I missed it big yeah. time. Yeah. Thought a break would be nice. It's but not it the same. It's not. <laughs> it's just not the same without the football. There won't be many weekends off now between here and... End of July. Oh, it's flat to the mat. The race is on. Yeah. 99 games in April. April alone. Yeah, 99 games in April alone with the four Gee. league finals and 95 championship games in April. Jeez, lads, we'll be very busy, will we? Jeez. We'll be flat out, lads. We'll be flat out. <laughs> and the football pod will be with you every Monday. So thanks a million to everyone for tuning in this week. I'm sick, so apologies for the nasally uh, sound coming out of me throughout and a couple of cops. I want to say it and tell me more. Anyway, you look I, terrible, is it? Yeah. Letting the side down, I do. Up around the edges. Every see how bad I look tuning into YouTube on Tuesday night. <laughs> lads, thanks again. Great to chat to you and looking forward to the football this weekend. And catching up next weekend on what will be episode 10 of season three. Paddy Andrews, James Donnie, have a good week, boys. Cheers, Thank boys. Thank you, lads. Good luck. See you later. <laughs>